The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. There are incremental steps and choices made that we've all taken in our lives that have us in the place where we are right here, right now. Some of them have led to hugely successful and positive outcomes, and some have had the polar opposite that look like failure and breakdown. Then there's some of those incremental steps that are kind of just the middle of the road, give you those outcomes like the day to day, you know, they just sort of feel like, okay, yeah, I'm going along, I'm doing my thing. Sometimes there are great things that happen to us and it feels like the world is your oyster. And then of course there are times that just really don't. Now, I've spoken to more people that I care to count who are just not feeling good at the moment. While the world is opening up again, it seems to be that getting back to normal, and I've got my little air quotes going on, even though you can't see me, that we're all so desperate for, actually looks pretty different than pre-pandemic, and it's leading to a new wave of emotional stress, depression, anxiety, lack of motivation, and overall not feeling your usual self. There's like this kind of off-kilter, off-balance, or what I call, or often feel, an ungrounded feeling that we can experience, but it's not like really blaring, and so, so something that you can't always put your finger on but you just know that you're kind of off and you're not feeling quite right. Now, last week in episode 119 with Dr. Brockenshire, we talked about how we are both, he seeing his patients and I'm seeing my clients who've put on weight and despite their usual efforts, they've gone back to try the things that they have in the past had success with, but it's not working. We went into why it's happening for people and what to do about it now. So an evolution of moving forward from what we once knew. Now that we can, going out, seeing people, meeting up in gatherings, getting back to it, again, air quotes, whatever your it is, has some momentary ups, but maybe not quite enough to get you quite out of the funk that maybe you're feeling because you're listening to this episode. Now, if you're like 80% of people out there who change their eating behavior in a response to stress, you're likely expressing some sort of maladaptive habit with your eating, whether you notice or not. A recent stat that I came across said that about 45% of us eat more during times of stress, during times of anxiety, depression, worry, whatever it is, and about 35% of us eat less. Now, which one do you fall into? Chris? I'd be in the, the the main category there. I eat more when I'm stressed. Sure. Yeah. Eat yep. more, I'm, drink more, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally, totally normal. Obviously, you're in with that 45%. Well, I'm me, I'm in the latter category. My appetite sinks into nothing almost at times of stress. Now, behaviors that I observe in people like my clients, my friends, and my family are easy to see 
And, you know, I've had the help with intuitive coach Carolyn Munden that we spoke to in episode 102, who regularly calls me out on my bleep. Yes, on my patterns, my behavior, so that I can see it. <laughs> Why did you go bleep if you were just going to say the word anyway? I don't know. I kind of made see, it up. Now I got to go and bleep the word, even though you said maybe I'll use you saying bleep to bleep the actual word. That'd be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> Anybody that's listening to this know that we don't need any bleeps in this episode, but I kind of just thought, you know, let's let's kind of keep it, I don't know, PG or whatever it is. No, it doesn't, it doesn't well, really matter. Well, you threw that this, out the this, window, didn't this, you? I totally did. So next time totally you want to say it, just do the sugar honey iced tea. Ah, oh, sugar honey iced tea. Honey iced tea. Right? Oh, I like that. Yeah. I've actually never heard of that before. Thanks for that, Chris. All right. So I do have Carolyn who calls me out on my patterns, my behavior so that I can see it. But what if you don't have someone like that in your life and you want, you know, and you really just, you don't want to keep on saying the same story of your aches, your pains, a lack of sleep, the inability to control what you're eating. Like you're actually ready for something different and the pattern or the place that you're stuck, you're done. So today on Eat This with Leanne, let's dig into some behavior analytics, some experts that I've been exposed to of late who really are geniuses in their field so that you can take the next steps forward to feeling better and be your most positive and successful self with some habits that are really, really good for you. After a conversation with my sadly depressed 91-year-old dad the other day, I found myself speaking to him and applying all that I've come to know about how focusing on where you're at, you know, all the negative stuff, all the stuff that's not going right, well, that really has no forward momentum towards feeling better, not in that moment anyway. Maybe after you've done, you know, a big sort of emotional dump with someone, or if you're someone who likes to write these things down or journal, maybe once you get it out, then you can feel like you can move forward. But in those moments, it's heavy and it just really, really weighs you down. Now, his patterns, him saying that this is how he is, this is how I've always done things and it's not going to change. You know, he's 91. I guess mm. he kind of gets to say that, right? He's built yes. enough, enough patterns in his lifetime. He's lived through enough stuff knowing that his, you know, in his case, his sort of his scarcity mode of living through a war, being one of six children and being lucky, you know, kind of, I always remember his story of sitting at the table and it was the ones that had had the longest reach or the fastest fork that ate more than the others, <laughs> right? Like, you know, this, all of this stuff makes up his decisions and, and, and what he does, you know, My, I mean, yeah. that's, that's him. My dad came from, from a large family too, and he always used to say uh, at the dinner table, you had to fight like you were the third monkey on Noah's ramp. Did you get that? Oh, Because he only took yes. two of every animal, so he always had to fight like you were the third monkey on Noah's ramp. <laughs> and I didn't get the reference at the wow. time. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, sure. Yeah, I know. That took a minute. That yeah. took a minute. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I, forgot, I forgot about the two, two of each animal. Yeah. I mean, you know, people have lived that and still live that way. So anyway, during my discussion with my dad, you know, I validated his thinking. I validated his feelings. I offered empathy. But also, you know, I was left wanting to really kick his butt and change his <laughs> mindset all at the same time. Uh, yep. Right. I mean, we've sure. all been in these situations, especially with your family. 
then I observed the level of his resistance, right? And you just see that he's resistant to change so that he could then feel better. He's just in this like loop, in this pattern, in this place, in this, I don't even know what you call it. He's stuck, let's say. And he just couldn't bring himself to do what would really move the needle towards feeling better. Now, as we know from my DNA test results that we talked about in in episode 111, one of my superpowers, or I think maybe there was only one superpower, I don't really remember, but um, the superpower that was mentioned is my emotional intelligence and the feeling for people. This is when I found myself using all that my genetics have to offer and inspired me to talk about this topic today. We very rarely see a map that looks like this. Oh, I'm one of a kind, Chris. Yeah, (laughs) I could have told you that without talking to Kashif. (laughs) When it comes to dopamine, dopamine is your pleasure and reward chemical. In order to experience that pleasure and reward, you have to bind it. And your genes determine what the density of your binders are. You're somewhat in the middle there. Then there's an enzyme called COMPT, which comes along and gets rid of it, brings you back to normal. You're also somewhat in the middle there. So you're not this addict that's like ADHD jumping on every opportunity because your dopamine levels are so low that everything triggers a response. You're also not this sort of flaky, like I'm experiencing life with constant pleasure. So I'm just not interested. It truly has to pique my interest before you get me to move. Right. But then I'll binge on that thing like a scientist. Right. You're more right down the middle for experience and duration, which makes you this extremely call it dependable person. So whatever work you're doing, you're not going to you know, be this huge risk uh, taker that's going to overdo things and maybe score a big win, but also lose along the way. And you're also not going to flake out. You're going to, you're, you tend things on the task list, they're going to get done. Right. Right. So you're, you're kind of right down the middle, which we very rarely see some, everyone has some nuance there that drives them in a certain direction, but you're this super like dependable, get it done. That sounds uh, right. Uh, but it also speaks to this sort of deeper emotional intelligence, being able to read the room, being able to understand where people are at or meet them where they're at, because yeah. you remember and you feel as much as you think. So while our behavior rules our lives and our decisions, especially towards food, it also touches every aspect of our lives, how we relate to others, how we choose what we want to do with our time, plan the day, the next week, and so on. While really what you're capable of, it's infinite, but really it's dictated by your behavior and your beliefs about yourself. Could you give up chocolate? Could you give up coffee? Could you give up sugar? Nope. Chris is not, Chris is saying no. No. Yeah. No, none of them. Yep. But could you, is it possible? That's a hypothetical that uh, I have no context for. So I I can't answer that honestly. I can't. I mean, you 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 could always say, well, if it was life and death. All right. I get it. No, no. Life and death or anything else. Like, is it possible to not ever put chocolate or ice cream or sugar? Like, doesn't matter what it is <laughs> in your mouth. Of course, it. like it's it is possible. Possible, Yeah. But it comes down to you choosing. Right. Because really, we can do anything. We could jump off a 
big cliff. Like for me, I, I go to that because that scares the crap out of me. Oh, right. Okay, like the, sure. that, yeah. that heights and that dropping is just not something that I do. I would stand up there and I would try and talk myself into it. And I would just, and I, and I just can't, I got to back down and then I crawl back. I like, I've done it. I've done it so many times. And then I just crawl back down and then I'll just stand there and watch even like my girls just be up there and go bloop right in the water, right in the water, right in the water. Like it's possible because they're standing there and they're doing it. But what's stopping me? Choice. The fear and the choice. Yep. Right. And and that's really what I'm talking about. I'm not asking anyone to give up the chocolate, the coffee or the sugar. I'm just, just using that as an example because you can choose otherwise from the chocolate coffee. It's just whatever it happens to be. And, and, and sit what you feel like and have something else. And, you know, I do want to say, I, I honor that. Like I honor that in people, in my clients and, and as I'm working with them, but only kind of to a point of where it becomes destructive behavior and has a self-sabotage pattern to it. Now you could think that, oh, I'm just a little bit overweight. You know, it's okay. Lots of people are. And I see people out and about and, you know, I'm actually my size for my, for, for my height, you know, I'm probably okay. But really knowing that even being a little overweight can as much as double the risk of death from anything can change behavior when you're faced with a wake-up call, like maybe a heart attack that you just had no idea about or a cancer diagnosis that, oh God, I never thought this would be me. Or confrontation that, you know, all of those sweets that you just love, well, it's led to diabetes. Now we learn these behaviors early. Now I know that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you see it. You know, like my dad having that scarcity mindset because that's what he grew up with. Well, that was ingrained really early on. He's definitely someone who taught us to finish what's on the plate. Don't ever leave any scraps. You know, as much as on your plate is as much as you need to eat. While my mom on the other side was like always trying to be lean and always trying to lose weight. And that was kind of her pattern. So it was really interesting with my two parents and what they did. And that drove a really, I don't even know what relationship with food in my family. But if you just take a step back and think, oh yeah, what was that like? You know, did you have to fight for food? Have you brought that into your, you know, here and now habits that you do? It's, it's just an interesting thing to, to pause for a moment. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutBright.com or LeannePhillipson.com. Now, a lot of people were soothed as they were a child, you know, or celebrated or, you know, you scraped your knee here, have a, I don't know, an ice cream or a popsicle or here's a sweet just so that you stop crying or whatever. Because that happens when you're younger, that really can set you up for some self-sabotage type of behaviors. Now, back in episode 102, Carolyn Munden, my intuitive coach, she explained it really well. Uh, a lot of the times people don't recognize that um, the self-sabotage of eating things we're not supposed to sort of in secret mm -hmm. or when we've we've made so many we've made so much progress. How come I've fallen off and started eating something I'm not supposed to? Well, for a lot, a lot of us, um, we've equated food with feeling good because that's what we were taught. That's what the generations before us taught. Being a good caregiver meant providing food to feel mm -hmm. better. And so whenever anything sort of 
takes us off track or, you know, spins us out of control or we feel out of control. For a lot of people, food is the next thing. Food is the next best thing to regulating ourselves because that's how our parents regulated us when we were children. Oh, you don't feel good. Well, here's this. Oh, this happened to you. How about I get you this? I mean, and we've all done it. So we have to recognize that that's where that comes from. So how do you make changes to what's ingrained in you and what's a habit? You know, you can write a food diary. I ask my, my clients to always do that. What are your habits? Because as soon as you actually are faced with them and you start to see them, then that right there increases awareness and can lead to change. Only if you want to. If, you know, more like my dad, where he says, nope, I don't want to do anything different. I, I, I'm resistant to, to doing that, what that is that you suggest. So that's it. I'm going to cut off. Well, he's just not ready. He's not in a place where the pain or what he doesn't want to live with anymore outweighs what it'll take him to break, have a breakthrough, to do something different. Right. Does that make sense to you, Chris? We, yes. Do you, yeah, see no, those, do you see those patterns in yourself and in people? I do see it in myself and I'm in my forties. So I can only imagine where his mindset is in his nineties. And yet how is, how is he going to feel better if he doesn't do something different? The key to that. Maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. The key to me is he has every right to choose, right? Mm. And say, okay, leave me alone. As long as the next sentence is, isn't, well, here's my problem, right? And then right. he wants to download how he's feeling and and how awful he's feeling. Meanwhile, he already knows in the back of his mind how yeah. to fix it, right? So yeah. as long as he's not he's not out there complaining, yeah, then he has every right to say, you know what, I don't want to hear it. That's a really key. Um, you know, a key boundary that a lot of people have to put in place. And I mean, I'm just talking about my dad. This could be anyone in your life. Um, It could be, I mean, family members tend to be the trickiest Mm. where it's really difficult to say, you know, I want to honor where you're at. And I, and I see, and I see you, I see where you're at. However, you know, I'm not going to be kind of your dumping ground anymore, or I'm not going to, um, you know, to, to listen to this conversation again, because it's just, it doesn't work for me. It brings me down. You know, I've had to do that with my eldest daughter lately is I see you, I see the pain that you're in and I see your frustration. I see what's going on. However, the behavior that I'm also seeing, you know, really is not very nice. So yeah, here's the boundary. So this is kind of where the theme of this has come from, because maybe I'm just hyper aware of it because I feel like there's so much change going on or I'm seeing it in people or, you know, like, like we found in with my DNA results, there's something in me that holds on to something that other people may not. And then that drives the, you know, the feeling, the emotion, my emotional intelligence and feeling for people where I want to talk about this to help Mm. you be aware of it so that maybe you yourself can drive change. That's an interesting conundrum if you think about it, because so what it, you've got the choice to listen or not listen to take on that that luggage that baggage yep. or not to but then when you start talking about it's ingrained in your DNA how much of it is choice and how much of it is not choice mm-hmm. because it's it's a part of you yeah right that's yeah. 
So I'll stop listening to people. I can't. It's in my DNA. Now, is that again, is that just now that you know and you have that knowledge, is that a choice that you're making? I, it's it's such a, an interesting way of it looking is. at things, right? It's my choice not to take on your baggage. But yeah, you know what? I'm going to take it on anyway, because my DNA, you know, is what it is. And I have to. Yep. <laughs> so it's yep. not really my choice. Well, I would say that I don't have to. It's just I have the potential to. Right. Because it's in my DNA, me being aware that I am that person, I have those traits, I mm -hmm. have that behavior set up with with my DNA and Kashif Khan of the DNA company, um, then, you know, he did a really great job of explaining the behavior the patterns that they that they offer to you as part of the you know the analysis of your DNA and i still find myself being absolutely fascinated with it but also not like this is a life sentence i think which is is the same thing for uh, for cardiovascular disease for for my particular potential for diabetes i mean that is in me mm -hmm. um i'm more likely to not have a heart attack I'm more likely to have diabetes and the complications that come with that because of my DNA. Am I going to end up with diabetes? Likely not because I eat so little sugar and I eat more protein than I do the carbs. And, you know, so I've managed to do that. Now, in, in times of, of looking at your mind and what your behaviors are with other people, not quite so easy as just putting the chocolate bar down, right? Because you're dealing with people and relationships, but what I've come to learn, both in working with Carolyn, and that's why I've worked with her for about the past three years, is because I knew that, that the way that I brought myself to situations being fully invested, you know, if somebody else had some stress going on in their life, I was right there with them and feeling it with them to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore, realizing that it's not mine. So I actually had to become better at putting the boundary in place of saying, I see you, but because I see you doesn't mean I also need to live it. So that's my work, not their work. It's still a big work in progress. Let me say, I know, I know <laughs> that for sure. You are not going to wedge <laughs> out 50 years of behavior, 50 years of, well, no, no, it's not yes. just suddenly going to go poof and be gone the nope. next day. No. So that that's nope. going to take, and now hopefully it doesn't take another 50 years because to suddenly no. reach enlightenment at a hundred, that seems a bit much. But who knows? You eat so well, you'll probably live till 100. So, I mean, I don't know. take your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But again, if we, you know, if we put that parallel to my dad, you know, he has lived those 91 years, but he also has a brain that's very capable. He feels, he sees, like even the fact that he said to me, well, I've lived this my whole life. And for me to change now, like I just, it's just not possible. It seems like a lot he, of work. For him. He's aware. Yeah. He's at least aware of it. Yeah. And that that really, really speaks to kind of what I'm, you know, didn't realize, but I'm setting it up nicely for the next part of the podcast. <laughs> now, I've been listening to BJ Fogg, PhD, and the author of Tiny Habits. Now, this dude, he's a scientist who has studied human behavior for over 20 years. He's a professor at Stanford. He is, has a way of describing how behaviors have become automatic or what we call like a habit, right? 
So you get up and you do the things that you normally do and you're not really thinking about it. Now, he says that emotions create habits and also that there's a relative importance of simplicity and motivation when it comes to motivating change. His short answer that he shared in his TED Talk, which is one of the things that I watched, when it comes to creating long-term change, simplicity is the more reliable factor. So doing little behaviors can lead to positive outcomes. And he just kind of really hit it home by saying that tiny behaviors help defeat giant size self-sabotage. Because I'm in this headspace, because I'm observing all of these things, these kind of things for me really just, they're affirming. They kind of bring forth the things that I have been doing, not only with my clients, but with myself, with my family, with my kids. And especially after my conversation with, with my dad, and I know I keep talking about him and my dad's, you know, my dad's okay. Hopefully we're going to get to see, to see him soon. And that'll give him a really big boost. But you know, in seeing, being able to observe in someone else, you know, hearing the stories of someone else, you can often put that into your life and you can create these, you know, these parallels where it's not the same situation, the behavior and the patterns are there. So while he wants nothing more than maybe a connection with other people, he just can't quite get there. That behavior needs to change. It feels too big to him to to create a different way of, of doing something, right? So he's 91 and um, his eyes are not what they once were. So he can't drive. He doesn't have his license anymore. So to do the things that he used to do, jump in his car and go shopping or go to the golf club or whatever, it's like, you know, it's more thought patterns, more thinking. And to get over that for him is taking a lot of effort. Right. So you could look at that as well. Sure. You could just, you know, it's easy for me to say, just call a cab, dad. Great. Jump in a cab and off you go to wherever it is you want to go. For him, it's too big of a change. It's too big of a jump for him. So he then needs to find, or any of us just need to find a small habit, a small win, a small way forward. Now, as I've been focusing on changing my own behaviors and supporting my daughter um, that we've talked with on Eat This with Leanne, who suffers with depression and anxiety. Now, I listen to a podcast. So it's all these different roads that I go down when I'm listening to these things just to learn a little bit more. You know, I'm, as Dr. B said last week, like we're always working on ourselves. And these are the kind of things that I do. So I listened to a podcast and dove into some of the stuff that's online about a book by a British doctor. He's a GP, an author, and has a really also super impressive bio, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Now I've listened to his podcasts for a little while and really like how he brings himself to the kind of things that he talks about. His newest book, his third book is called Feel Better in Five. And some of what he said, I do actually already recommend to clients to help them change their habits. And I thought putting them into a few easy steps for you could also be really useful. Now, one of the easy habits that we do without thinking is what? Uh, yeah. Eat. Yeah. I don't really you brush think your teeth. Of, yeah. Yeah. It's easy. And even though maybe you're tired in the morning or you're going to bed and you're super rushed, you brush your teeth. 
right? Like it's ingrained. It's not difficult. It's small. It doesn't take any, take any thought because well, it's a habit. Well, uh, it's a habit I wish my 12-year-old would adopt, but I mean, right? so it, it takes longer. <laughs> Here's the thing about brushing your teeth. It obviously takes longer than 12 years to develop that habit. I mean, you know, then there's also the whole parenting thing where, okay, well, you have to learn that if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to learn the hard way is, you know, then you're going to end up with cavities. The sad part of that is it comes out of mom and dad's pocket to pay for damn. <laughs> dentist right so you know there's the natural consequence to these habits that we have that we do or don't do but that's a whole other rabbit hole we're not gonna go down he's not motivated right and motivation or finding motivation can be a lot more challenging than just thinking oh i gotta go brush my teeth right behavior drives success and while you don't feel like making a change it really is the only way out of wherever you happen to be towards what it is that you want. And because you're listening to this, it's feel better in some way, shape or form, mentally, physically, um, emotionally, whatever it is that's brought you here to this. Now, BJ Fogg, he talks about motivation, ability and trigger all kind of coming together at the same time. Now, he goes into any behavior needs some kind of trigger. Maybe you remember to do something in a particular moment. Maybe it's because you're pushed because your doctor says, yep, your blood pressure is too high. What are you going to do? You're going to ditch the salt shaker. You're going to stop eating all the salty foods. You're going to, you know, deal with the amount of meat that you're having. Basically follow everything that we talked about in the high blood pressure podcast. If you happen to be happen to be in that situation, then you can head back a few episodes and listen to that. Or maybe you're someone where you just need that like visual trigger to remember to do something different. So maybe you stick post-it notes around, or maybe you, you know, you kind of put something in your phone and you have a, you know, drink more water or my watch dings at me and says, please stand up. But you know, how annoying is that when you're like, either I've already been standing you know, because we talked about the the harms of sitting a few episodes ago as well. You know, there's there's all these things that can constantly tell you to do something. And, you know, I'm definitely someone that needs like a trigger right in front of my face. So I do have a lot of post-it notes around or I probably forget, but I rely on those. And in the end, what happens? Have you ever done that, Chris? Stuck up a post-it note? What, no. like, I don't know, three or four days later, you look at it and you just keep on walking. <laughs> Right. Like you don't even see it. It doesn't register. I have dings on my phone of, you know, think a lovely thought. I just look at it and go, oh, it's nine o'clock because I now I know like it's now a timer for me to tell me what time it is. I don't register. The thing doesn't. Yeah. But that's the human brain for you. We are we are. Our human brain is starved for is always starved for something new, something surprising, something interesting. Always. So when we fall into those habits and they become mundane and and repetitive, (laughs) the brain kind of goes to sleep. Right. The whole purpose of putting in the reminders is to remind us of something. But the brain goes, that's boring. Oh, look, a, 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 a monkey on a on a swing set. That's neat. Yeah. Like you'd rather you'd rather watch that than go do the laundry because the laundry is habitual and mundane. The monkey on this right. set is adorable. Or there's the stand up, but you're in the in the middle of a movie, right? Like <laughs> right. I'm not going to stand up right now. No, I'm talking about watch. No, I don't want to do that. Right. So, so there there are there are ways to create successful. Let's call it a trigger. Right. And and I'm saying this in a positive way.
The best way to success is to actually add a behavior or a trigger to something that you're already doing. Like I always say this to, to my clients by saying, okay, so you're making a meal. You're going to eat dinner. You're going to eat lunch. You're going to do whatever. So just add one veggie to it. Or you've already got your, your dinner made. What color could you put on that plate? It's just one thing. So you're taking an existing habit and you're adding to it. We all eat every single day. But if you just took the, I don't know, the carrots or you took some beets or you took like whatever it is that you've got at home and you added it to your, to your plate, you're going to benefit from those extra antioxidants, those nutrients, those fiber. But when you do that, you also have that feeling of success and also that you're, you know, that you're in control, that you're, that you're, you've got some forward momentum. You're doing something for yourself. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the jumping off the cliff. It doesn't have to be something that's really big. If you think about a habit that you want to create, anyone, Chris, you can start. What is it a habit that you think would help you move forward in some way? It can be emotional, physical, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. Okay, I, I, eating less sweet, eating less sugar, okay. less, less okay. processed sugar would be a good habit okay. for me. Is that, is that something, does that fall into the category sure. or no? Is that a big thing? Yep. Okay. No, um, no. So whatever it is. So for instance, me, and I'm not, this is not talking about food, but it just, it came to me maybe because I'm closet, I'm in the closet and right next to me is, is the bedroom. Then um, I would love to read more. It is not a, a habit that I partake in. I buy the books and they stack up and I've always thought, okay, don't they just, doesn't the information just come in by osmosis? <laughs> but I would love to give myself that time of, of reading. That's it. It's simple. Lots of people sit down and read. My daughters, they sit down and read. I'm like, oh, great. You didn't get my genes for that. If that's, <laughs> that's a genetic thing, right? Or actually, it's one of my daughters. She reads like a nutcase. And the other one's more like me where we have to listen or see something like that's my mode of taking in information, but I would still love the, the sitting down in the hammock on the balcony or something like that. Or a friend told me once, she said, yeah, I went to a coffee shop and I sat there and had a coffee and I read my book and I thought, and I just, Oh God, my God, that sounds just amazing. Okay. I get so, it. But you realize that the reason you don't do that is yeah. because you don't want to. You really don't. It because I would imagine there was some moment in your life that you sat on that hammock with a book and a, a glass of lemon water sitting beside you, and <laughs> you at some point you must have, and you yeah, and you were for there sure. for probably 10, 15 minutes, and you're like, you know what? It's getting kind of chilly out here. My lemon yep. water's kind of tepid. My the yep. book's getting a little boring. My back's starting to hurt, or whatever. And you're like, yep, it's yep. not me. I'm not doing it. So you are yep. you put a sticky note in your brain that said, you know what? This isn't for you. It's not a habit. Now, had you tried again and again yes. and again then maybe you would have formed a nice, enjoyable habit. But you didn't. You immediately put that nope. red flag on there. I've done the same where you where yeah. I think to myself, I've got to sit down on the beach with a nice book and I'm going to relax this vacation. Ten minutes into it, I'm going in the water. You know, that's right. Or 10 minutes Absolutely. later, I'm going to play some volley volleyball. I can't I can't sit here. I figured that out about myself. I can't. Maybe I should, but I can't. Again, nice segue into oh, okay, <laughs> good. Oh, in, good. Into the into into the thought process. Oh, this is perfect because this is you know this is just Chris and I doing 
just chatting. This is awesome. So with creating a tiny habit, so let's just take, you know, you've got your, your less sweets, less processed, all that kind of stuff. And I've got my reading. So let's just take like, for instance, I kind of wrote this out before. Let's take a workout. You want to start to work out. So then what does that mean? You're going to go to the gym. Let's just say that's what you've decided to how you're going to work out. So then you got to research the gym. Then you got to go check out the gym. You got to ask people about it. You got to look at the plan options. How much is it going to cost me? You then have a look at the classes. Hmm, what my, what have they got on offer? And, and what, do, what do I think I might want to do? Then how long is the commute to get there? And how much is gas? Because that's stupid price right now mm. to get there. And then you're like, okay, great. I figured that out. Then the new gym gear. Then you got to set your alarm. Then you got to finally hit the gym, right? Like it just, is that actually all the steps? Yeah, that's in not order a tiny to, decision. No, that's a big one. Right? So it's kind of the familiar steps. Let's say that you want to change your diet. Then you're like, okay, so I'm going to research. Do I want to do paleo? Do I want to do keto? Then you got to get the book. Then you got to find the recipes and you got to create the shopping list and you got to go to the store and buy it. Then you bring it all home, pack it away, get out the book, get the bowls, make the new recipe and expect that once you've made the recipe, then okay, why hasn't my blood pressure gone down? (laughs) Right? Like Because your adrenal glands are like raisins right now. And they're like, yay! so stressed from all of that. Right. <laughs> Not only do we self-sabotage with all of that, but also there's on the other side of things, because, you know, once you hit the gym, once you found the class, once you do that and you actually get there, then you're like, OK, well, I've been twice. Why, why am I not fitting into my jeans easier? Like there's so many expectations. They just play such a huge part that it just becomes way too loaded of a situation to actually get yourself there. So in the sense that of, of what you've just said, Chris, I could come up with all sorts of excuses of why I don't read. Maybe it's because I typically read you know, nutrition books or, or, or something that, that kind of just takes on more work. I don't know. It's, it's heavier as opposed to like a story and how mm. people are living and, you know, like you kind of get sucked in like a good Netflix series or something like that. And I'm not like invested in it or whatever that is. The suggestion that I offer, what these writers, these researchers, these people that I've been listening to is that they suggest you find one thing to change. You make one step, you make one move, one action towards feeling better. And this could honestly just take like maybe 30 seconds. Sure, you can do it when you feel that you're inspired to do it. You could set an alarm on your phone, like we said, and then ignore it. But if you just added one move, one action, one thing to an existing habit, that is what drives the change. So let's just take a few examples. Let's say you're making coffee in the morning. And while you're making the coffee in the morning, because you also want to work out if we keep kind of with the gym thing, while you're making the coffee in the morning, you do a push-up while the kettle's boiling. There's one thing that you can check off your list. And if you keep on doing that every single day, tomorrow, again, you go make the coffee and you do a push-up or you you, maybe the next day you can do two push-ups. Now, what about after you finish brushing your teeth? Maybe a new habit so that you can set your day up for success is that you smile at yourself. Tell yourself, hey, you're gorgeous. And it's going to be a great day. Like what a great habit that could be for yourself in order to help yourself feel better. What about when you get in the car and you drive to work and you don't actually listen to the news, but you put on some calming music 
or an enriching podcast. That's what I do. I found that kind of, it's nice to know what's going on in the world, but I kind of got to a point where I thought, I don't know, this is really helping me feel any better. But listening to, I don't know, a groovy song as I get close to work, just to kind of get me in a, in a different mindset, ready to take on the day, that definitely helped me to feel better. Now, what if when you uh, go to a restaurant and you have a look at the menu and you think, hmm, okay, rather than the steak and the fries or the fish and chips, you think, oh, right, no, nope, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a salad. Now that's, that's a bit of a hard left for, for some people or a hard right for some people, but it's, again, it's just one small change. Doesn't mean you're never going to eat fish and chips again in your life. It just means that in that moment you do that. And I think, oh, that really actually didn't taste that bad. I feel quite full and I'm satisfied and I feel lighter. And the next morning, if you know, you can kind of see what happens. Or maybe when you're hungry for lunch, you don't hit the usual drive-through, but you order a salad that your cubicle neighbor has and try that instead because you've been eyeing it up for, for a little while. Maybe when you make up your plate for dinner, like I said before, you add more one more veggie to it. Success. If you make your morning cup of tea and a lot of people or your coffee and a lot of people that I deal with, they like, I forgot my vitamins again. Well, you can either take them out the night before or that morning. I honestly give people the easiest way to remember to take their, take this by Leanne supplements, of course, and a little plug for my supplements in there. <laughs> so if it's the vitamin D, the Sunshine D3K2, it's in a spray. You don't need to eat with it. So I suggest, you know what, put it next to your bed. Once you get into bed, I've got some suggestions of, you know, when you actually get into bed, um, then you do your sprays. It sit, sits next to your bed. It'll become a habit. It's sitting there, you know, it's, and, and maybe it's for me, it's on, on the pile of my books that I'm not reading. <laughs> and then you sit there and then you just do your spray. When, like, I'm going to go to bed, my head's going to hit the pillow, but on the way there, it's in front of me and then it just becomes a habit. I pick it up, I set my alarm, my phone goes down and then it goes in my mouth. So those kind of things. Speaking about putting your head on your pillow, you could, as your head hits the pillow, you could think of one good thing that happened today. Smile about it and then just feel gratitude. What a great habit that is. As you... <laughs> I also wrote down as you lay in bed, you pick up a book that you wanted to read <laughs> instead of your phone and scroll, right? Now that one was for a little bit more for me. Now I don't get into bed and and, and scroll on my phone because truthfully, once I'm ready to get into bed, I have done it all. And the only place I'm going is to sleep. So that's it. I don't sit there. But what if I did pick up one of the books that's next to my bed that I'm dying to read and just read one page or one line or three words? That does not feel as big as sitting there and reading a chapter, for instance. Sure. I think I could do it, Chris. Yeah. Three words might be a little on the light side. You might lose context for what you're reading, having to remember three it's words possible. a night. But yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's a start. It, it is a start. Yes. I, I can't argue it's that. Getting, it's getting over the hurdle. So for you, let's say rather than ditching all the um, the processed foods, is you just choose one, one product, one food, or you go to the fridge and or the, to the freezer for your ice cream and you have one scoop instead of two. That's it. That's a new, <laughs> that's a new habit. You know, and, and I do say those things to my clients, realize that any momentum forward is a success. Right. I, I made the conscious choice. I haven't gotten rid of most of my, my sugary foods. I have yep. added more healthy choices to the cupboards. Yep. And that's it. 
right? That is one small habit that you decided to do. And if that happens on Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday, then Thursday, then Friday, then it becomes that habitual thing that you're going to do to help you feel better. Well done. You're creating a new habit. Another one is, is as you put your feet on the floor in the morning, as your feet hit the floor, say, today is going to be a great day. That was one that came from that TED talk as well. I thought I really, I like, really like that. As you uh, pour yourself um, a cup of coffee, because that's what you do every morning or of, of an evening, if you're having one glass or a second glass of wine, then tack on the habit of drinking a glass of water with it, right? You're not changing anything. You're just adding to it in the same way, Chris, that you've said you add to it. You're not. And, and what I find in the way that I've always dealt with my clients is just let's crowd out the crap, right? <laughs> because, because as you have more veggies, as you have more good stuff on your plate, you find that you're actually not going for the midnight munchies like mm-hmm. you used to. And, you know, when I work with clients, I, I look back at, okay, so what are you doing at breakfast? If we change what what's happening at breakfast, that can impact what happens at nighttime. So there's, there's so many different things. And speaking of those midnight munchies, like maybe when you sit down on the couch with your usual snack, rather than hitting the cupboard as you have done, Chris, you hit the fridge, carrot sticks, pineapple like you, cut up an apple, sit down and think, okay, Let's just try this tonight. Doesn't mean you're not going to have snacks tomorrow night of the usual kind, but tonight, see how you feel and then think, well, that wasn't so bad. I'll try it again tomorrow. This is Eat This with Leanne. Nurturing habits. Well, it takes a bit of time before it becomes like brushing your teeth. Waiting for inspiration can, you know, it can work for some, but we lead such busy lives that jumping from one task to the next is pretty much how the day tends to unfold and doesn't really have that much space to kind of let the inspiration come. You can also just, you know, sometimes you might find as you're sitting there scrolling, because I talked about that, is um, you'll see a social media post, one like I put out on Instagram from SpartWrite's channel or uh, handle or the Ann Philipson handle on Sundays, for instance, as I put a new recipe out there or a few things to include in your diet. And, you know, that's all well and good. But just because you sit there and you read it, you're inspired by it, doesn't lead to the benefit of the greens, the fiber, or the success, really, and and pushing you towards feeling better. It's putting things into action that need to happen. You can make a long list. You can hear everything that Chris and I have just talked about. But until you actually do it, really, There's no benefit in just sitting there thinking about it, right? Now, knowing what to do and doing are two different things. Yeah, the inspiration comes and you can try it out, see how it feels. Resistance comes up, like I don't have enough time or whatever it happens to be. Now, I came across a client recently who wanted to make a change, you know, and he said, right, I'm going to work with you. I want to lose weight. I want to feel better because, you know, the pandemic happened. I was doing well before that. And now I'm kind of back to where I was. I don't even know when, and I don't really like it. Now, it just that whole lockdown thing was not good for him. After our first consultation, we talked about three things for him to do over the next two weeks. And because that's when we would we would uh, reconvene and do a follow-up session. Now, it took him 10 days to make a switch. 
10 days of him thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, knowing it's on his sheet. I always give, give clients a list of the, of the few things, the water in the morning that I suggested, well, now that was happening. So yes, check that box. That was already becoming the habit, but the breakfast, it took longer because of the resistance. There are a few things that were in his way from the taste to the time to, to fear of like, what happens if I do this differently or what if I do it wrong or whatever it was, whatever was in his way, it was, it was, he was working towards doing something different and the pushback on committing to something new and letting go of the old for whatever reason in that moment was too much. Now he got himself there, which is great but also recognizing yourself and be easy on yourself that while you're in this kind of resistance place, don't just chuck the idea out because if it's come to you, that's the part of the inspiration. Keep on working on it. Really just think this is the one thing. So first of all, he nailed the water in the morning and I said, water before coffee. Can you do that? Yes. All right. So he got that going and that was becoming his, his first habit. But then he moved on to the next one. Maybe giving people three things to do over two week period is too much. So maybe I do just need to give them one thing, one thing for, for, for two weeks. I do actually think most people would say, I'm sorry, am I paying for one piece, one change, one piece of advice? You know, everybody, (laughs) so many clients say, okay, give me the laundry list of everything I'm going to do. And I say, no, no, I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. I did used to, I'd spend hours with people, you know, putting all the meal plan and all that kind of stuff together way too much. It is honestly, as we talk about, you know, it's one mouthful at a time. There's a reason why we finish off every episode with that. And also I just thought, speaking of water in the morning, now what if that was a tiny habit for you to uh, to quote uh, that great professor, VJ Fogg, what if your one tiny habit for the next week is it that you drink one more glass of water? Or maybe it is that you go to bed with your water bottle or, or a glass in hand. And when you wake up in the morning, you drink it before you do anything else. And that's just your one focus. See how you feel. Just start doing it. Your skin could look better. Your digestive system can work more. You could have more energy. Like there's a million benefits that I could tell you. And maybe that would be a trigger for you that would then say, oh yeah, my skin hasn't been good. Or when I wake up in the morning, I'm really foggy. Sure, I'll go and try this. That's fine. But you need to do it every single day to make it a habit. Now, lastly, just to kind of wrap this up, you know, working towards changing your behavior to feel better. Like I said before, you've got to manage your expectations there can be a really big change, but nothing is just, it's just, you're not going to do it all in a day. It's not sustainable and it just ends up not being successful. And there's nothing worse than thinking I'm going to do something. And then probably a lot like what my dad thinks is, yeah, you know, I've been around for 91 years. There's a bunch of stuff I tried and none of them were successful. So why bother? You know, you get into that, that defeated mindset where you just think, nah, I've been there, done that. And it didn't work. So don't bother. But There are certain things, of course, this is a podcast about food. There are certain things that we need to do every single day. So maybe just that that one extra glass of water or, or while you're making your coffee, you drink a glass of water or while you have that wine tonight or tomorrow or the weekend or whenever it is, that one glass of water goes in. Just focus on one tiny thing and it can really take you, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds to down it or something like that. So it's not a big thing. Pick your favorite glass, find a small glass, whatever it is, just make it work for you. But then 
when it's something super small attached to something that you're already doing. Maybe you finish brushing your teeth and then you have the water. Maybe it tastes better to better for you. Maybe you like it cold. Maybe you don't like, you know, there's all sorts of things that we could get back into that gym analogy of, well, I got to get the filter and I got to do this and I got to do that. No, just drink the damn water and you know, and you will benefit from it. So keep it nice and small. Is there something that you think that you're going to do, Chris? Let's keep each other accountable here with our one tiny habit. Oh, really? Okay. Um, you know what, on an emotional level, here's something that, uh, that I've started doing and I will continue to do. And this is an emotional thing. Um, is because I get up in the morning and because I work from home, I am kind of the taxi driver in the house. So I drop my kids off at school and, uh, both, uh, one of my daughters drives. And so that I don't drop her off, but the other two kids I do. And before they get out of the car, I feel like a bit of a dork, but the last thing I say to them is go make it a great day. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why I started saying it, but I get into those places in as a parent. And I know lots of parents do where you just feel like all you're doing is, is, is bitching and complaining to your kids. That's the only thing that comes out of your mouth. And suddenly you realize, you know what, if I said anything good to this, to this kid today, not like one thing good. Have I, have I taken a vested interest in a positive thing in their life at all today? All I've done mm-hmm. is told them to do this, do that. You don't do this. Why do you do this so bad? Yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Hurry up, get in the car, go brush yeah, your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I've just, I suddenly noticed it. Nice. And so the well one done. small change that I've adapted is that yep. go make it a great day. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. Really powerful. And that, that has a ripple effect. I hope so. Because one day, and this is the things that this is truthfully the thing that I don't, I, I know that we don't realize is Chris, there could be one day where they have kids and they drop their kids off at school and yep. they start saying that because this is what you ingrained in them. Just like go brush your teeth, you know, or <laughs> brushing their teeth well, or whatever. But how, but how positive is that? I mean, that'll just yeah. bring on a flood of flood of emotions. It'll make them feel and remember the positivity and, you know, I mean, this is again, another conversation, but I just want to point out that, that this will, all these things, all of these one tiny habits will have that ripple effect. So I'm going to commit or my mine is I'm going to read one page of Carolyn's book because it's, I've had it, you know, I've carried it places. It got wet. It's, it looks dog-eared from someone maybe reading it, but it wasn't me. (laughs) Um, And it's still next to my bed. So I'm going to read one page. Good. Good. You do that. I'm going to, I'm going to be in bed early enough and, and that's going to become a habit where maybe it's just one page. And because it's probably the first page, it's only going to be half a page (laughs) And, and I'll see where it takes me. Yeah, but on the second night, it's going to be a full page. (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. One tiny habit to uh, to quote BJ Fogg in his uh, in his book. But really, it's about how to help yourself to feel better because you're the one that needs to do this. No one else can do this for you. So please share this podcast. Let me know what your number one thing that you're going to work on first. What's the one tiny thing that you're going to change that's going to maybe take you 30 seconds. And uh, yeah, 
let us know. Uh, hit us up on social media, uh, SpriteWrite and Leanne Phillipson handles on all the social media channels. You can head to SpriteWrite.com, LeannePhillipson.com. If you're still listening and you're, and you're intrigued by the DNA uh, test that I had done, that's from the dnacompany.com forward slash eat this. And you can get $50 off finding out a little bit more about yourself as well, which of course helps. And above all else, if there was ever an episode to really drive this home is to please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.